when is good good enough? And as I was dropping off my little girl to school, she asked me some clarifying questions about Lent. First, she wanted to know if Lent was biblical. And I let her know that though Lent wasn't prescribed in the Bible, it derived from Jesus' time in the wilderness. Just as Jesus relied completely on God in such a hard time, Lent helps us learn to let go of things we trust too much in order to rely solely on God. I was so pleased at her line of questioning. It was so theological. And then after a sober silence, she landed on what I feel was her true question. Is she only giving up chocolate or candies part of the deal? Would, what she was really asking is, would she be a better person, a better Christian, if she was giving up candy too? Or is just giving up chocolate enough? In other words, how can I be good? And when is good, good enough? You know, that little conversation with my girl was a cute moment. But it also showed me something that is so true. We are all asking that question. And around this time of year, it feels like Lent is meant to provide metrics on how religious or spiritual we are. Uh, we talk about what we're giving up, or we talk about what we're taking on, or maybe both. But if we're not clear on the purpose of Lent and God's heart towards us, this season of fasting has the potential to inflict significant wounds upon our hearts and our life with the Lord. You see, Lent is a season where we return to God, committing ourselves to relying solely on Him. And we do that by fasting, which reminds us that Jesus is the only one who reveals God to us, Jesus is our only way to God, and Jesus is the only one deserving of our ultimate trust. In Lent, we are meant to reject those things that distract our attention from God to reject those things that prevent us from believing and trusting in the promises and love of God. And what we heard in today's gospel reading is Jesus in the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, battling against the devil and his lies. And you know, this has been the work of God since the beginning. You know, in the beginning, the first humans, Adam and Eve, believing the lies of the enemy, ate the fruit that God said, you may not eat. You must not eat. But the enemy convinced them to distrust authority from above and believe in themselves. Disbelief in the word of God brought suffering and death into this world. And since then, we are always prone to easily sliding into disbelief. That's why in our Old Testament reading in Deuteronomy, the people of God are called to remember that God is the one they must trust. During the harvest, they must bring their first fruits, the best of what they're harvested, and give that to God as a thanksgiving for how they were rescued. And as they give the first fruits to God, they recite from their history. And it says, from a wandering Aramean, that's Abraham, they remember that God grew a nation, and that this nation was rescued from slavery in Egypt. And they were called to show the world around them that true love and peace are found by relying solely on God. You know, when the people of God arrived in Canaan, God gave them the law that was meant to give their faith a distinctive shape. Their faith, their life, was not to be identical with the surrounding pagan nations and beliefs. 
but trusting they were meant to trust in God. That's why these ancient Jewish festivals of first fruits replaced the equinoxes of the pagan solar, solar year. The people of God were meant to remember that it was the true creator God that having rescued them from, it says, rescued them from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power with signs and wonders, he brought us into this place and gave us his land, a land flowing with milk and honey. These reconfigured festivals served as reminders of their absolute need for God. Just like that ancient community, we are called to trust in God. And we're always in danger of neglecting this trust, of sliding into a comfortable existence where how we live and what we believe is identical and compatible with the surrounding culture, with the spirit of the age. But the spirit of every age is never completely in line with our Creator God. You see, in that ancient age, the people of God were tempted to neglect the Creator who saved them and instead give offering to the local deities and give offerings to nature. You know, everyone was doing it, so they wouldn't have stood out. It would have been very easy, very acceptable. Now, in today's age, we're not tempted to give our harvest offerings to local deities and to nature. That's not what distrust in the Creator looks like today. In our day, distrust in the Creator looks and sounds like this. Quote, you don't need to believe in God to have a full life of meaning, hope, and satisfaction. All that matters is that you're a good person. End quote. You know, this is probably the easiest thing to say and believe in today's culture. And it is not what the Creator has said to us. Because that kind of thinking actually means you can earn your way into heaven. You can earn God's love. In fact, if you've been a good person, God owes you a good life and he owes you heaven. Right? You've earned it. But God says that isn't the way. The ancient people of God couldn't earn their way out of slavery with good works. They were slaves and needed to be rescued. The only way they were saved was by completely relying on God. And that's what we saw in our Old Testament passage. The people of God recited the litany of their ancestor being a wandering Aramean and their salvation from Egypt in order to declare that they weren't saved but what, by what they do. They are saved by what God does. And you know, this is not a minor point in this obscure passage in the Bible. This is the message of the whole Word of God. St. Paul makes it clear in our Romans reading that we can't rely on our list of good deeds. We must rely solely on Jesus. So if you think that it's really about just being a good person, then you're doing what St. Paul says we shouldn't do. St. Paul writes to the Romans. It says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says... If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, the way of Moses was to follow the rules to be a good person. That's good enough. But we know, actually, that it's not good enough. There are plenty of people, uh, many of whom we've actually met, who follow the rules and use that rule following as a way to judge others to judge those who they deem are rule breakers. 
And these kind of people, they're unkind, they're lacking in generosity, and they make this world a worse place to live. But you see, that's the problem at the heart of saying, all that matters is that you're a good person. To say it's about being just good is to fundamentally deny that we actually need Jesus in the first place. We, we can't do it on our own. Right? We just can't. That's the truth of it. St. Paul says that Jesus is enough, not our good deeds, only Jesus. It's actually the faith and trust in Jesus. It's simple. It's so close and available. He says to the Romans, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The love of God is so close to you and to me. But you know what? This hope is the hope that the devil doesn't want you to have. You know, if you browse through medieval art, the devil is portrayed as a monster with horns, you know, very visibly evil. But then when you uh, start looking at Renaissance era art, the devil is more often portrayed, portrayed as a beautiful fallen angel or a lovely youth, also very visible. But the temptations that the devil puts to Jesus are the seductive and uncritically absorbed assumptions of every human age, right? So when he tells Jesus, you know, make that stone into bread, what he's saying is what really matters is that our bellies are full. You know, feed us first, and then we can talk about spirituality or virtues. But first, meet my needs. Or when uh, the devil takes Jesus and shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, you know, you can have all this power as long as you worship me. What he's really saying is, what really matters is politics of power. Don't be thoughtful. Just talk loudly and get your way. Or when the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple and says, Hey, jump off. Doesn't the Bible say that angels will rescue you? What he's saying is, what really matters is that you can do whatever you want and God will simply validate your individual decisions and expressions. I mean, doesn't that sound familiar? These are the fundamentals of every age. From ancient Jews living in a Canaanite culture to modern people living in a secular culture, these are the fundamental temptations that draw us away from trusting God. But we must return to God and trust solely in Him. Friends, it's not faith in Jesus plus my resume. It's not faith in Jesus plus my conventional progressive version of inclusivity. It's not faith in Jesus plus my conservative emphasis on rights and entitlements. It's not faith in Jesus plus my charitable giving and social activism. It's only Jesus. Because only Jesus makes you the beautiful person you were always meant to be. You know, this is a subtle but important truth that must land into your, our hearts if Lent is going to be a time of spiritual growth and healing for us. You know, it's tempting to go through Lent and feeling that your fasting is earning you spiritual growth. That's the temptation of the age, you know, our good deeds. And we need to reject that. Let it go or it's all a waste. I mean, think about it. If Jesus had fasted in the wilderness for 40 days only to succumb to temptation, uh, to the, from the devil, then his mission would have been for nothing. Same for us. If complete reliance on God isn't central to your Lenten journey, and it's not central to your journey with Jesus, then your fasting is for nothing. 
This is a sobering scriptural fact, and it matters that you take this in. You know, what the psalmist writes is the deeper truth found in the whole witness of Holy Scripture. We heard in our psalm today, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. You shall say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust. Notice that it's not being a good person. It's not my good deeds, but God is the one in whom I put my trust. So take a moment, assess your approach to fasting this Lent. Or if you're not fasting, this is a good practice anyway for your journey with Jesus. Ask yourself, in fasting and in life, are you seeking to prove that being good is good enough? Or are you trusting solely in the love of God found in Jesus Christ? You know, the love of God isn't something you deserve It's not something I deserve. It's the unearned gift of God to you and to me. And, you know, thank God we aren't called to earn it because we never could. It's simple yet radical grace. The way to become the person God created you to be begins by trusting only in Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that when you saw the human race, when you saw us broken and alone, you didn't abandon us, you didn't turn away, but you came to us in the person of Jesus and you lived the life we should have lived and you died the death we should have died so that through your life and your death and your resurrection, we are gifted your life and your love forever if we turn to you in repentance and faith. Gracious God, I pray that this Lent be a time where we let go of those things that have taken too much of our trust, too much of our attention, and that we may focus and rely solely on you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, transform our hearts and our minds to trust you and love you and only you every day of our lives. We pray this for our great good and your greater glory. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.